Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Asif Khan and Abriana Lopez. All right, we are back with your favorite podcast of the week. This is This Week in Location-Based Marketing, and we are recording uh, live on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, this is episode number 416. And uh, yeah, it's May the 28th. How are you? And the month is almost done. Aubriana, how are you? I'm good. It's like full swing getting into summer. You know, coming off of a three-day weekend is always hard. It's like your Monday and Tuesday get combined. And um, we had a great Memorial Day weekend and wonderful weather. And um, obviously a chance to remember all those who made the ultimate sacrifice for our country, um, but also a time to enjoy our friends and family and, you know, just taking a day to breathe. So I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I mean, it's been, uh, it's been a little frustrating here. Uh, we lost internet and cable and everything for a couple of days. So just getting caught up on that, but there's nothing like rediscovering your local public library. Uh, we, we went last night, all four of us, kids and my wife and I, and, uh, sat in the library for a couple hours and used the Wi-Fi, and, you know, connected with our, our community. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> While everybody was getting homework done and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah it was, uh, it was interesting. So, um, all good. We're back up and running. And, uh, the most important thing uh, for this week, of course, is on Thursday night is game one of the NBA finals and my Toronto Raptors that you see right here. Yeah. These guys, uh, are, uh, are in the finals. First time ever. Exciting. Super exciting. Yeah. So you guys have some, uh, really dedicated fans there. We do. We do. There's, uh, besides Drake and, uh, and everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> I'll Drake to stay away if you want the Raptors to win, you know, uh, the man is crazy. The man is crazy, but, uh, yeah, I know it's super exciting. The city's, uh, pumped up right now. There's billboards everywhere. There's, you know, banners on cars. There's, you know, all kinds of things going on right now because it's never happened before. So we're, we're pretty excited about it too. Uh, to be in the finals and we'll see. I think, I think it'll be, uh, I'm not predicting we're going to win, uh, or anything like that, but I am predicting it's going to be a, lo a long series. So it's not going to be a sweep. There you go. There you go. We'll send you guys some good vibes. Thank you. Appreciate that. All right. So we got a good show for you. Three industry news stories, three member news stories, uh, no guests or research this week. In fact, uh, we will be with it back with a guest next week though. I've already got that lined up. Um, so yeah, um, we'll just jump right into it. All right. Well, I am kicking it off with a story from Swatch, the watch company. And this is kind of a fun thing that they have been doing. And, um, you know, uh, according to, I don't know, I don't really follow like a lot of watch industry uh, trends, but um, according to the news, they were saying that, you know, people are tending are trending towards like higher, um, higher purchase value items for watches. And so the $50 swatches are not exactly uh, flying off the shelves. And so, um, you know, Swatch has been one of the, you know, I think innovators in the space that's always kind of been trying to um, do new things and try new things. In fact, they were uh, the one of the first watch brands to actually sell online, which is really interesting. Um, and, you know, they have, these are $50 plastic watch pieces, right? So what they have done to kind of just continue on their innovation um, and disruption trends is they have set up this drive-through store that's going to sell swatch watches um, and 
side of like these burger boxes and little brown paper bags. So imagine a drive-through that you can go through and pick out your favorite swatch, whatever it may be that matches your outfit. Um, you know, and kind of the quote that they, that they gave was innovating and distribution is important to look, to look for consumers and nobody else in the world dared to do this. And I would agree. Nobody else in the world has dared to sell watches and burger boxes and brown paper bags, but I like it. You know, I what I love about this story is not so much, you know, that they're putting these in brown paper bags or that there's a drive through or any of that. Um, and obviously all of this is happening in, in, uh, Switzerland, I believe where they are based, but you know, I just, I love that they're innovating and they said, okay, well, last time we were, you know, we were selling online. What can we do now? Like, how can we stay modern and current? And, um, you know, there's opportunities to do things like this, like at pop-ups and festivals and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I like their, um, their thinking outside of the box. Um, do I think it's like groundbreaking enough to maybe turn around business for them? I'm not so sure, but um, you know, sometimes at drastic points, you have to do something drastic and this is, this is a pretty drastic measure. So I'm a fan and, um, you know, I'm a fan of Swatch. I like, I like a lot of their, their marketing and their campaigns and kind of just their way of thinking and staying relative. Uh, so. Yeah, I think this is really cool. I think it's a, it's a unique way obviously to, uh, you know, to try and market and attract a, a an audience around a low end, uh, timepiece. I mean, at one point, I think both my wife and I both own swatches at some point uh, in the past. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I think they're, I've always thought that they're fun and they're, you know, the colors and the, you know, the stuff, uh, you know, in terms of what makes up a swatch is really interesting, the simplicity of it uh, and all of that. You know, I typically, you know, where I tend to see swatch you know, most often as a guy who travels all the time is at the airport, right? You know, you go, you go to these duty free places and they're always there. Right. Um, and, um, yeah, so, but, but I like this idea of, uh, you know, of a $50 timepiece in a drive-through and, um, you know, in a burger box or a brown paper bag. It's funny, like, as you were talking, I was thinking, okay, well, where else can you get a watch in, you know, in a brown paper bag? Maybe, you know, some guy on the street in New York city, but <laughs> It's usually a fake Rolex or, uh, you know, something like that, uh, that you stuff into a bag and pretend it's something else, um, you know, whatever. Um, so, that, so, but I think it's interesting. And, and when you think about the price point relative to a drive-through as well, um, you know, these days with the prices of, you know, you, you take your, your family of, you know, four or whatever, or however many you have, you know, through McDonald's or Burger King or whatever drive-through, you're going to spend 50 bucks probably anyways. So, you know, get a watch, uh, for, for about the same amount of money. So, um, yeah, I like it. I think it's just fun. It's, it's cool. And I like your idea too of, um, you know, possibly taking this on the road, right. And bringing this to festivals or bringing this to, um, you know, this would be a, 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 an interesting thing at something like Coachella or exactly you know, something like that could, could be really, really cool. So, or South by Southwest or, you know, that type of thing. So, um, yeah, um, but I, but I like it, and um, it, you know, it makes me think maybe I need to uh, go get myself a new swatch. Uh, it's it's been a while, absolutely. So there you go. All right, um, so that's our first story. Moving on to the second industry news piece uh, is about a company out of the UK uh, called iGeolize. Uh, it's spelled I G O L I S E. In case you're looking for that, and they've raised three point two. Uh, million uh, for a local search and mapping API. Um, and uh, the funding's coming from a group called ETF Partners. Um, 
And, and this is really interesting because what this API is, is about calculating travel time. So, you know, you know, from point A to point B, uh, here's the current time, here's where I need, here, where I am, here's where I need to get to, um, you know, how long is it going to take me? And, uh, you know, when it comes to, you know, using public transit or, you know, from the hotel I'm staying at, let's say to, you know, where I have to go for my meetings you know, on average, how long does that take to walk or drive or whatever, you know, making hotel booking decisions on that basis and things like that, I think are really interesting there, you know, for, for me, I, number one, I think functionality wise, this is an absolute must have in today's world in, in, you know, a time star word world where we're always trying to figure out, you know, how do we get from the next thing, you know, one thing to the next as fast as possible. And, you know, and, and every minute that we can kind of optimize, uh, the better, right? Because we, we've got to, uh, you know, there's so many other things that we got to get to after that. So I think that's really cool. It's live in 35 countries. Uh, they've already got some property websites, Rightmove, Zoopla, Foxton's, uh, who've integrated this API into that. Um, it's used by job site and total jobs as well. Uh, and that's interesting because, you know, you're looking to, let's say, apply for a job you want to know how long it's going to take you to commute to your job, right? Um, as part of your decision as to whether that's, you know, the right job for you. Uh, so all those are interesting use cases, I think, for, you know, using a travel time API like this. Obviously, this is not the first. I, I can remember Rob and I, when we were doing this podcast, probably 200 episodes ago, years ago now, uh, covering a similar uh, uh, US-based uh, platform at the time. Um, and, um, you know, and obviously, Platforms like Waze and Google and all that have built-in travel time calculations. You know, when you use Google Maps, you can say, okay, I'm walking, how long is it going to take me? Or I'm using Waze and it's real-time traffic and so on. But I think integrating this into websites like hotel booking sites, job sites, you know, those types of things, or, or even just calculating work uh, travel uh, times and things like that, I think are, are really a great use case for this. So I like it. Check it out. I geolize. Yeah, I, I actually was thinking about this um, over this weekend. So I went and picked up a friend who was um, coming back from a trip and decided, you know, to fly into the airport and then take Marta out of the, you know, out of the city a little bit. Um, and then I was meeting them at Marta. So I was like on Marta's site trying to figure out, okay, here's the train that they're taking. So the time it's going to arrive at this stop where I'm meeting them. You know, how long do I need to leave my house? So like all of those calculations, I think are, you know, it, for the right the average human mind you know just taking out kind of that that brain work and like the questioning um are there accidents like what's going on all the crowdsourcing information that Waze has like being able to pull all those apis into one and kind of say like hey you you know if your friend left this time on this train like you need to meet and leave at this time or this you know so being able to integrate those things into like a marta website um or something like that you know i think makes a lot of sense so, um, I like this, you know, I think that there's, a, um, there's like a lot of like tentacles that if you could kind of host those and bring those together, um, then you really have a, a more powerful, um, I guess like data play in terms of location and search and, um, moving parts because people don't want to have to go to one to the other, to the other, to the other, if everything could just be integrated into one, this, the seamlessness and the ease of use is definitely front and center as we know. <laughs> yeah. So, 
All right, we're going to totally shift now to this next story um, about Pokemon. It's been a while since we've talked about Pokemon. But Warner Brothers um, Pokemon Detective Pikachu is has just launched like a, two weeks ago, maybe. Are and you kids into this yet? No. No? Oh, thank God. Let's hope. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I say thank God. But, you know, they're also into things like Elsa and Frozen, which I'm not really thrilled about either. So... And there's a new uh, Frozen movie, right? Isn't there? Uh, don't tell me. Yeah, I think there's like a sequel coming out. Well, let's hope the theme song is a little better than the first because <laughs> I don't want to hear it again. <laughs> so anyways, with this Pokemon, I know that they just redid Dumbo and Aladdin, so I'm kind of excited about that. That I can get with. Um, but this one is um, has teamed up with Target, so they are trying to drive fans of Pokemon into Target. So from now until June 23rd, um, if you are in the Pokemon Trainer Club, apparently there is a such thing, um, and you're an account holder there, you can just use a Pokemon Pass, and you can scan these QR codes that are inside of Target, and you can collect different things like photo stickers, um, a code that you can take home on your Nintendo game sets and get a uniquely colored Pokemon. I guess that's a big deal. I don't know. Um, so the app is using geolocation to kind of guide you through a target and tell you like where, you know, where you need to go, where you need to scan these codes, um, for the club members so you can get all these rewards. And, um, obviously this isn't at every target, but the participating target stores, um, and you know, over the years target has kind of tied to some other different, uh, offers through Pokemon and related events. And so look, Usually I would say I'm not a fan of this, but I think that the difference here is that Pokemon like lovers and fanatics, they go places, right? I mean, that is the whole premise of the game and they go places in order to find these things. And, you know, obviously like some photo stickers and, um, you know, especially colored Pokemon Pikachu, whatever is like a big deal. So they want to do that. Um, so obviously while they're in target, they're probably going to be buying other things and other Pokemon gear. And I think that this really works for this fan base. Now, if it was like, I don't know, something else for like shoes or sunglasses, I would say, you know, this is not going to work. Yeah. But when you're talking about this fan base, they're like, they are fanatical, they are extreme, they're location driven. And this is like a perfect kind of, um, uh, I don't know, blending together of these different brands and retailers and, and, you know, everything that they're able to do. So I think this is a really smart, uh, way to do things. And I know like, you know, Pokemon, uh, go had all of those different ways to drive people into other stores. We kind of had talked about that before. Like, are they actually buying stuff? What is it? But you know, it's the same thing when you think about like a Waze advertisement, right? Like, oh, I can drive somebody to a Starbucks and, you know, give them this offer or I can just tell them where it is. But, you know, the ability and the reach with people who are out on the go is really good. And you certainly have, I would say a younger demographic, but it's not always younger. Yeah. Like you really see this kind of span, you know, some generations and that's really interesting um, to me. But I know like all around our historic uh, downtown area, like there's just tons of people that, that head out to play these games. And I'm always like, did they release a new character or did something happen? Because every once in a while you'll see like a huge influx of people out with their phones um, doing stuff like this. So, hey, if you've got those fans, do it. Make some money off of it. 
Yeah, and I'm with you. I think the demographic is is quite wide because it, it's, uh, you know, Pokemon's been around a long time. I think there's people who, you know, are probably 30, 40, whatever, <laughs> maybe older now, um, you know, who might have grown up with Pokemon along the way and are still Pokemon fans, uh, still playing games and doing all of that. Um, and and are part of that you know demographic. But what I like about this is that uh, number one, and and you you pointed it out, is these are gaming people. These are people who engage in in activity and will go to places to to find things. I know when Pokemon Go first came out uh, back in what 2016, I guess now, um, you know, Target was a was a player in that. Sephora, other brands, you know, were all on board with that, and we were wondering about whether it was going to actually result in in any revenue increase for the for the merchants. Um, and overall, I would say we didn't see a lot, but we saw a lot of traffic. And what I like about this is, is that it's not just about, you know, showing up at the store. It's about going in and interacting and scanning codes and, and interacting with actual merchandise. Um, and, and they've done a number of, uh, of other things to kind of build around this. It's not just, you know, find the, you know, the, the hidden Pokemon, uh, thing there with the, with the gaming piece of it, but they've done in-store events, um, you know, where, they were giving away movie posters. They've done, um, you know, uh, other uh, other things where there's exclusive licensed merchandise uh, around this particular movie, uh, the the, uh, the te Detective Pikachu movie. Um, they've got, you know, in the circular that went out on May 8th, they've got like, you know, promoting all this new uh, licensed merchandise and all the SKUs for that. So it, it, it's this whole sort of holistic campaign that they put together all around this movie and and yes the gaming piece of it and driving traffic is I, I think a really good addition to it um and the only thing I, I i wonder about is is that so so in store events you know it's in the in the uh the flyer in the circular that goes out you know they've got the gaming piece going on around this is there you know are they doing anything on other media like are they doing anything in, in tv are they using social media there wasn't any real mention of that in the story i read uh, to kind of, you know, uh, sort of help, you know, uh, uh, drive more audience around that. So that's, that's the only question I have about it. So, no, for and, sure. and they might be, I don't, I just, I'm just not aware of it. It wasn't in the story that, that we looked at. So, yeah. All right. So there you go. So that's our three industry news stories for this week. Uh, now we get to shift over and talk a little bit about what our members have been up to. And uh, I'll kick that part off with our first story it is about a partnership between our friends at JC Deco and Newstar. And uh, they've teamed up around uh, some location intelligence in the out of home industry. You know, last week we talked about two stories, uh, one in Russia and one in the UK uh, around this exact type of thing. And this is a North American story around JC Dakota's North American operations uh, using Newstar's Element One um, audience uh, intelligence platform. And so, um, you know, they've had a partnership with these guys for some time. This is not new. Um, but what's new, what is new about it is, is they've added into the into the platform uh, geospatial mapping capabilities to understand foot traffic uh, and measure audiences around specific geographic areas. Um, and uh, so, so you know, I, I think there's not a lot of not a lot of excitement in this story for me, to be honest with you, um, because I think it's 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 table stakes now. This is the kind of stuff the out of home industry needs to be doing as evidenced by we had two stories about it last week um you know in, in two different markets and here we have almost the exact same story with two different players but looking at the north american market um 
And so, um, you know, I think it's good. I think it's important. I think these types of partnerships have to happen. Uh, and I think the out-of-home industry needs to find uh, location intelligence platforms to help measure uh, the effectiveness of what they're doing uh, and, and to further justify what they're doing. Um, and so, you know, whether, you know, you're, you're doing that by, you know, drawing custom polygons around a specific area or, you know, you've got predefined geofences uh, around your billboards, or those types of things. Uh, all of it is, to me, about measurement, 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 measurement. And uh, and so for th that's what I get out of this story is the ability to look at the, you know, the effectiveness of, of what JC Deco is doing in North America with their out-of-home platform and using New Stars, uh, you know, element one to uh, to help measure that. Yeah, I completely agree with you. If it's not measurable and it's not attributable, then I think that out of home is really missing the mark. I mean, I really, I shouldn't just limit that to out of home. I think that's um, almost all media at this point. It has to be able yeah. to kind of um, check those two boxes, right? Different ways. There's different ways people are doing it. And, and I think that that's what is still hashing itself out, right? Like how, it, how are you going to measure it? How are you going to attribute it? You know, what are the other data points that you have, um, you know, within, with your access? But um, yeah, I would agree with you that this is not necessarily something new. It's just really something that everybody should be doing in the industry. So there you go. Yeah. All right. So on to Google. And this is really an interesting story to me. So Google has now integrated food ordering directly into search and maps. Um, so basically, if you're a Google user, you can now place a restaurant order directly from Google Maps, uh, Google Assistant, or Google Search without an app download. Um, so there's like this order online feature button, um, and it will just kind of tell you when it supports a restaurant that you're looking at. And then um, for restaurants who also support Google Pay feature, you can pay right there with your Google Pay, which is pretty impressive. Um, furthermore, if you have Google Assistant available, and that is available obviously on iOS and Android, you can use that to, um, to make the order. And you can also ask Google Assistant to place an order that you've already placed. So if you have placed this order and you really just want the same thing, you can just ask for the same thing that you had last time. And then you can choose a delivery service option from there. So they've rolled out with five different delivery services. Um, and I was trying to find all of them. I found most of them. I found Chow Now, DoorDash, Postmates. Oh, no, I did find all of them. Uh, Delivery.com and Slice. So those are the delivery options right now for how those are going to be. But I mean, my thought when I read the story, I was like, what is going on? Deliver uh, that this whole like delivery thing through Google just gave the you know what kind of block to every other food delivery service. So if you're looking at food delivery service and you're searching it, I mean, Google's probably going to show you what you can get delivered right then and there on their search and all those other food delivery options like Grubhub or whatever it may be are going to be coming up second. So that's pretty crazy to me. I mean, this is like, I don't know, Google just has a credible reach and access to do whatever they want to do. Um, I mean, I imagine that Amazon's just going to like roll this out as well. I mean, they kind of do this to an extent already, but now they could probably just do this as well through all of their, you know, Alexa assistants and everything. I don't know. I mean, it's crazy to me. I like this. I think that it's seamless. I love that you don't have to download an app. 
up. Mm -hmm. I love that they've thought about the pay portion of it, um, that they are delegating the delivery part of it. Um, and I mean, restaurants pay a massive fee for all of those delivery options, right? Like I think that they're charging most restaurants like 30% of a meal order. Um, just to, you know, have like Grubhub or whoever Uber Eats come and deliver that. And then obviously they're making a nice, a nice uptick off of that. Um, so I don't know how this, I would love to see kind of how this hashes out in terms of, does it save the restaurants money? Um, you know, who's like, what's the breakdown of, of who's getting what here? Yeah. Um, because you know, that's my question. Is it, is it beneficial? It just seems like they're kind of doing what Postmates already does, but now they're just taking an even bigger chunk of, of that uh, portion. So whose pocket is that coming out of? If it's coming out of me as a consumer's pocket, I'm like, no. But if it's making it less expensive on a consumer and on a business, then, then I'm in. But um, yeah, I mean, I think this is really interesting. Google just like slid right in there and pushed everybody else to the side. Like, hey, we're gonna kind of just block you right here. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's fascinating, right? I, I think that um, being able to order food from a restaurant directly through a Google search query, I think is amazing. I think uh, as we've talked about, you know, recently at Retail Local and uh, in search in general, you know, the, the use of voice technology uh, and, you know, things like Google Assistance and Alexa and things like that, I think play very well into this type of of a service, right? Because you have that ability to just say, Hey, you know, um, I see, you know, like you, you know, what restaurants are like, as you play with this and use it, you'll know what restaurants are, are available, right. Or, you know, in the system. And, and if they're the ones that you normally go to, then, you know, being able to just automatically order, being able to automatically pay. Um, I, I think having that integration is, is seamless, but I'm with you. Like, I, I, I think that, I wonder, I wonder, you know, what the, what the split of the, uh, the fee is on this, right? Like how much is Google actually getting on every transaction now, right? Because they were getting zero before. Right. Uh, and, uh, and all of a sudden, like now they're right in the middle of this and they're like, you know, um, taking a piece, taking a piece of your food order transaction. Mm -hmm. I mean, like it's crazy right now. Because when you think about traditional search, like these restaurants would pay, obviously, for search optimization and, you know, placement and AdWords and all the things that the normal Google services that are there. Uh, and you have click to call uh, and things like that, right, that, that are normally in Google search. So is this just, okay, um, now I can order you know, I can place the order from there and it's, it's like a click to call. Uh, like if I was, you know, going to click the button on the Google search to, to call the restaurant, uh, and they're taking the, the same fee that they would take there, or are they actually taking a piece of the purchase transaction revenue? Right. Um, so, so is it a flat fee for, you know, facilitating the order or is it a percentage of the, uh, of the order revenue? And I think that's, that, that's the interesting piece that I, you know, I'd love to learn more about on this. Mm -hmm. I also feel kind of like it's Google's like, look, we already know about your fears, like your symptoms, your location, uh, <laughs> your interests, your hobbies. And now we're going to know what you're eating too. Yeah. <laughs> 
Like, it's crazy, right? It's crazy. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and I guess, you know, like they, they, they're going to need to find some new revenue because now that they've shut out Huawei, um, you know, from, uh, you know, from their uh, operations uh, and Huawei's announced this morning that they're building their own OS now. So yes, they did. Um, more to come on that, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, more to come on that. So, um, so yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how, how these companies adapt, but, uh, I, I like it. I think it's, it's really smart. Um, yeah, we'll see how it plays out on uh, on Apple devices with mm-hmm. uh, on the payment side, um, what we can do there. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully Apple Pay will be supported at some point too. I'm sure. Yeah, there you go. All right, our final story this week, kind of sticking with with Google uh, on the payment side. That is uh, the MTA, which is the Metropolitan Transit Transportation Authority, which is the uh, transportation authority that runs all the subways and buses and trains in New York City uh, is uh, who is an LBMA member uh, is working with Google Pay, and uh, they've just announced that uh, um, that they're now going to accept Google Pay on certain transit lines uh, throughout the city. So uh, starting uh, this month, end of May, you can enable paper ride the paper ride feature on your mobile device at select subway stations and Staten Island buses. Uh, you can, um, they're looking to bring, uh, some of the same things we just talked about with Google maps and Google assistant to the commuting process. You know, I think this story is really interesting because if you think about what we talked about earlier with the travel time APIs, and then you add in, you know, sort of the payment, uh, facilitation with Google pay, I think, you know, making transit easier and more seamless for people, I think is, uh, is really, really beneficial, uh, especially in a big city like New York. Um, and so, um, yeah, so you can use Google pay to board all Staten Island buses and subway stations along the four five and six lines between Grand Central and Atlantic Avenue and Barclays Center. Um, you don't need to stand in line for to get your Metro card anymore. You can just, you can just do this. Um, and then they, they said, um, that, um, Subway riders will have access to Google's Assistant, um, which is the, the real-time transit feature that I talked about earlier as to when the next train is arriving, uh, all you know automatically through Google's Assistant, and that's already starting um, this week. And uh, yeah, you know, lots of other things. And they say they're going to be expanding this out to Melbourne's uh, transit system in Australia uh, and London's uh, Trafalgar station as well. Um, so yeah, pretty cool. Definitely really cool. Um, I feel like MTA probably knows who their riders are, given the fact that they've rolled this out to Google Pay before Apple Pay. I think Mm -hmm. that makes sense um, in terms of demographics that are likely riding on the subway and bus lines. Or they just got a better deal. Maybe, but should they be rolling out both? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So there's probably like a short-term exclusivity there. Yeah, maybe. But also I feel like... um, you know, the thing about New York is that a lot of people take public transportation. It's not something that is um, necessarily like class uh, divided. And so I do feel like they should definitely roll out Apple Pay as well. But I also love the ease of use of this. I mean, there's nothing more like just going, I mean, here, going to get the Marta card and reloading it and all of that stuff is a pain. So if you could just pay with your phone and skip all the lines, I love it. I think that anything that makes, you know, public transportation, focus more on transportation and less on the ticketing aspect of it is the most important thing. And so um, this is really easy. And, and also I would assume that if you have like 
10 trips on your card and you want to give them to another friend, like being able to digitally move those from place to place would be an easier thing to do versus if you have a card that has those loaded on there, you really can't do much with that. So, um, you know, if you want to pay for somebody's ticket, then you're going to have two tickets that you do with your, you know, your digital wallet or whatever. So I like the idea of being able to kind of do that um, through a, a digital way versus like something that's a hard copy. Yeah, I think that's interesting. an interesting point. And I think it opens up as well to the possibility of bringing something like the MTA into, you know, a loyalty schema, let's say, um, you know, with other brands, retailers, and other things in the city. Um, you know, if you're using Google Pay across multiple, um, you know, different brands or things like that, I think that could be interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, I think about, for example, the guys at, uh, at Miles, right, that we were saw in Seattle, right? Like who are doing a lot, already doing a lot of work in transit, you know, from a data perspective, but building in the payment aspect of, of Google or linking those kinds of things up could be really interesting as well. So yeah, I really like this. I think this is, yeah, again, any, anything that's about saving people time, uh, making things easier, you know, and seamless for people. I'm, I'm a fan of, um, and, uh, yeah, that's it. That's our show. That's it. <laughs> three industry news stories, three member news stories, uh, a lot of cool stuff in there this week. Uh, of course, we will be back next week. Uh, if you have story ideas, if you have uh, feedback, criticism, um, you know, you think that, uh, you know, you, you should come on the show and be a guest, whatever it is, uh, reach out to us and let us know. Contact information is at the end of the show there. And again, you've been listening to episode number 416 of this week in location-based marketing. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. Bye.